Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole, or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. That's C-O-N-C-E-R-N-I-N-G-H-I-M.com. Well, we're continuing on in the life of the Apostle Paul. We have seen Saul's conversion now on the road to Damascus and how uh, everything in his thinking and everything in his life was going to change as a result of the appearance of the risen Lord Jesus to him and the reshaping of his thinking, uh, all of his theology, and as a result, the way that he would live his life as a result of this. Now we've come to uh, Acts chapter 9 and verse 20, and today we're going to look at the early ministry of Saul, what happened immediately after he had his conversion experience. Did he just immediately become an apostle and start serving Jesus? Well, uh, the answer to that is uh, yes and no, as we will see as we begin to read these verses. So Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 20. And immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, Is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who called upon his name? And has he not come here for this purpose to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. When many days had passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. They were watching the gates day and night in order to kill him, but his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a basket. And when he had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. And they were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord, who spoke to him, and how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in and out among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. And he spoke and disputed against the Hellenists, but they were seeking to kill him. And when the brothers learned this, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Now, in the first uh, section here, from verse 20 to verse 25, we see Saul's continued work in Damascus. He stays with the disciples of Jesus in Damascus for some days. Uh, we're not given a specified amount of time here, but from the beginning of this period, he started proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues as the Son of God. So there's almost an immediate turn, a change in his behavior. From the moment he encounters the risen Christ, 
what he is doing with his life is altered. Whereas he was persecuting Christians prior to this, now he is arguing with Jews in the synagogue and announcing that Jesus really is the Son of God. Now, we naturally hear this phrase with more uh, divine connotations when we hear uh, Son of God, but the phrase for the Jews probably had more of an earthly and political connotation. He is God's Son in the same sense that David was God's Son as king over Israel. And we can see this when we look back in the Old Testament, at a passage like Psalm chapter 2. Psalm 2 and verses 7 through 9, uh, we read this. This is a Psalm of David. He says, I will tell of the decree. The Lord has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. So you hear the phrase, you are my son, uh, today I have begotten you, spoken to the Davidic king in this context. Now, that doesn't mean that there's no focus in the, in the phrase son of God on the deity of Christ here, but I think primarily uh, Saul is arguing at this time that Jesus is the Messiah. He is the anointed one of Israel, the descendant of David. And yet at the same time, we know from John chapter 1 and verses 1 through 3 that uh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then down in verse 14, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So this Word is the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, who came to earth in the incarnation and took on human flesh. And so he is the rightful King of Israel. I think all of these things are included within the phrase Son of God, but primarily it's focusing on his uh, messiahship, the fact that he is the Christ, the anointed one. And those two terms, Messiah and Christ, uh, Messiah is the Hebrew term, Christ is the Greek term. They both refer to an anointed ruler, and that's who Jesus was. Now, the reaction to Saul by the Jews in the synagogues is, is shock and amazement. They say, is this not the man who made havoc in Jerusalem of those who were uh, calling upon this name? The Greek here literally says the man who was destroying those in Jerusalem who called upon this name. Saul's conversion was swift and certain and complete, and it would have been very shocking to all who saw it and knew anything about who this man had been before this experience. They say, has he not come for this purpose? So to bring them bound before the chief priests. That was the reason why he had gone to the city of Damascus in the first place. And now his purpose has entirely shifted. Saul, in verse 22, increases in strength and he confounds the Jews who lived in Damascus. This shows us that he was uh, a great uh, debater with the Jews. He was proving, giving definite instruction that Jesus was the Christ 
to the Jews, and I'm sure they had a hard time refuting him. He would have most likely been using his experience, his testimony, what had happened to him on the road to Damascus, but not exclusively, and certainly not exclusively, of the scriptures. I'm sure that he began studying the scriptures in a new light, realizing that now everything he had thought uh, he knew about the Old Testament was really pointing to the coming of Christ and his uh, rule. And so uh, Saul increases in strength. He's confounding the Jews. All of this is happening in the city of Damascus. Now, uh, in between this period, he's, he's in Damascus for some time. In fact, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 18, we will read that he stays in Damascus for another three years or so. Uh, based on what we find in Galatians chapter 1, it seems that during this time, while he's in the city of Damascus, Saul apparently goes and spends some time in Arabia. Look at Galatians chapter 1 and verses 15 uh, down through 17. He says, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and then returned again to Damascus. And then verse 18, Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. This will be important uh, a little later on. So he's going off to Arabia. Now we're not exactly sure where he was or what he was doing in Arabia. Some have uh, posited that perhaps it was the area of Petra and the Nabataeans that he would have spent some time with. Uh, we have some archaeological evidence that this was a thriving community uh, in the period of the first century AD. And so it's possible that he would have gone uh, down into this area for some time. Whatever the case, wherever he goes in Arabia, he comes back to Damascus and spends uh, three years, uh, about three years total there. And then uh, Luke records all of this by the phrase, when many days had passed, uh, down in verse 23 of chapter 9. So he had so riled up the Jews by this point that now they were plotting to kill him. Their plot had become known to Saul, and so they keep watch at the gates of the city looking to kill him as he tries to escape, and instead he's taken by night by his disciples. Uh, and this is an interesting phrase, possibly alluding to the fact that Saul actually had his own disciples by this point. Uh, maybe he was, uh, th this might argue that he had a strong influence in the church in Damascus during those three years. At any rate, they let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him uh, down in a basket, and his time in Damascus has come to an end. Now he heads down to the city of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 9 and verse 26 here. And when he comes to Jerusalem, 
He attempts to join up with the church, the followers of Christ there. However, they are skeptical about the accuracy of his conversion. Was he really a follower of Christ? Even though three years or even more than three years have now uh, elapsed since the time where he had his conversion on the road to Damascus. It can be hard to believe that people have really changed. We don't want to believe sometimes uh, when we hear stories about people who may have been very adamant against uh, Christ. And then suddenly they have an experience where they, the Spirit of God grasps them and get, gets a hold of their lives. And then suddenly they are uh, confessing Christ and following him. It can be hard for us to accept these things, but we should be ready and willing to accept individuals into our fellowship who profess faith in Jesus, especially someone like Saul in this circumstance who had a proven history of several years of faithful ministry to the Lord. The Spirit of God is able to change lives. And as hard as that is for us to accept sometimes, I think the picture that we get from the book of Acts is to give people the benefit of the doubt in these regards rather than uh, to necessarily um, uh, think that perhaps it's not true. Well, Barnabas is a picture here of that in that he takes Saul and vouches for him and brings him to the apostles and talks about his conversion and ministry in Damascus. Barnabas we see for the first time back, back in Acts chapter 4. He's a Levite from the island of Cyprus who had sold the field and gave the proceeds to the apostles for the church. Well, because of Barnabas' support, Saul was accepted into their fellowship and went in and out, boldly proclaiming the name of the Lord, probably disputing with the Hellenistic Jews here, testifying that Jesus was the Messiah. And the same thing happens in Jerusalem that had happened in Damascus. He presents such strong opposition to the Jews that finally they are seeking to kill him. Think about it. A devout Pharisee turned follower of Jesus and member of the way. They can't allow that to happen. So they uh, come up with a plot to kill him and to protect him. The brothers in Jerusalem, when they learn of their desire, take Saul to Caesarea, the port city on the Mediterranean, and then send him off to Tarsus in Cilicia, which is in Asia Minor, where Saul is originally from. And so now we have Saul kind of moving into obscurity for a number of years, and we won't see him again until we get to Acts chapter 11. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit Emmaus.edu.